Welcome everyone to the Mail Fuzz TV News Podcast. I am Peter and joining me as always is Connor. Yeah, it's nice to finally have a day off. Yeah, round of applause. Trumpets. I, 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 I did eight days in a row, <laughs> so I, I'm tired. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah. And, and if I didn't swap some shifts around in the next week, I was going to have ten days in a row coming up. <laughs> which I did not want to do. <laughs> understandable, understandable. Mm. Um, yeah, I, uh, you know, TV podcast, of course, but, you know, we're going to talk about pilots, reels, cancellations, new series orders, all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, I don't have much TV to review this week, actually, because Last of Us just finished, you know, the finale review went up, you know, last week. Uh, nice, n- nice and neat, though, that's kind of been replaced by season two of Yellow Jackets, which is coming, uh, this coming Sunday night, Monday, uh, you know, depending on your. So. I know. Um, I'm obviously behind on TV. I'm still catching up from when I was moving, so I've still got like half of Last of Us to watch. I've only watched the first episode of Mandalorian. Um, I am up to date on Ted Lasso though. I uh, am not. Yeah. There's only been like one though, right? Uh, the second one was yesterday. Oh, was it? Okay. This, I think. I might just uh, wait until it's almost done and. You know, watch the season as a as, as quickly. It's it's one of the few shows that me and Paige watch together. Like, you know, we'll, we'll both you know wait and sit down and watch it together. Yes, yes, because the relationship's already broken, so you spend very little time together as as much as possible. Yeah. No, we just spend time doing <laughs> other things. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, like what knitting? You, you do a lot of knitting together? I I, do, I don't. She does cross stitch a lot though. Okay. Which is you know not not so far removed from knitting. Jigsaw puzzles? Do you do all the jigsaw puzzles together? Occasionally, yeah. I've got a whole board game and jigsaw cupboard. I don't know, I don't know what my, my joke is here. It's something like you're a pair of like old 80-year-olds or something. I don't, don't know. Yeah, yeah, but th- there's nothing wrong with, with jigsaws and board games. <laughs> I'm not saying there is. Except Monopoly. F that game. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I had this time at work with someone the other day who likes Monopoly. I'm like, what? The hell is wrong with you? It's terrible. Everyone like Monopoly. It's it's badly designed on purpose. Monopoly is a game that seems fine when it's the only game your family has because it's for some reason every family had a copy of Monopoly. But as soon as you actually learn or see even anyone play a better board game, you suddenly understand. Wait, what? Are you supposed to feel excitement when you play a game? What? There's... You know, Monopoly is intentionally designed to be not fun. I know it started it, off as it, a satire of uh, capitalism uh, and its yeah. origins. But here's the thing about Monopoly: is that even if you win, you know you're not happy you won at the end of Monopoly. You're just thankful that it's over. Yeah, because you've been sat there for like sixty-four hours. <laughs> <laughs> like even even winning's not joyous. It's, it's, it's no, a terrible, it's a boring game. It's a terrible game. I, and I, I definitely. I do have a version of Monopoly in the cupboard, I'm pretty sure, because who, who doesn't, right? Yeah, uh, Checkers is better than Monopoly. At least Checkers is a little bit of skill. There's, 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 there's something happening. <laughs> yeah, you, you hop over the, the counters. That's yeah. kind of fun and satisfying when you get to the other side and you get to double up. Ah, it's simple. Simple stuff. Yeah. Uh, so why we're on a board game tangent, I don't know. Uh, uh, blame you. It was my fault. I went down a weird path uh, making fun of you. Uh, but yes, welcome everyone to the TV podcast. Uh, we're here. Uh, so, uh, last episode we did, we did on a weird day. We did, we recorded like a Monday night. So we didn't do one at the weekend like normal, but this is obviously for this weekend. 
so the news goes back to Tuesday last week when I was looking for it. Not actually a great ton, even though it was like a week and a half's worth, technically, of, of stuff that could be here, but... Yeah, you get these periods, a little yeah. bit of a lull here and there. Just, it's just a bit quieter, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get into it. Uh, maybe there'll be more board game tangents, uh, should things come up. All right, let's get into renewals and cancellations then, so that's out of the way. Uh, some renewals. Uh, Fox have renewed Accused for season two. I don't recall that one. We'll move on, because I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bland Fox show. Yeah. Uh, they've also renewed Alert Missing Persons Unit for season two. Oh, I can imagine what that is. Just, yeah. I, I don't remember ever talking about it, but I know exactly what it is just from that title. Peacock have renewed Bel Air for season three. Obviously, the uh, oh. the reboot of Fresh Prince. I realised it was already on a season two, but Not me either. <laughs> there it is. Apparently, it's doing all right for them. Uh, and then one cancellation I've got this week, uh, which is Willow, which has been cancelled at Disney Plus after one season. Uh, which you know, there's been a few comments recently from Disney and Marvel about putting out too much content and you know maybe oversaturating things. And I wonder if. You know, not that Willow is part of Star Wars or Marvel, but just the idea that, oh, maybe one too many reboot shows is expensive. It's possible. I think it's more just that I think it was quite expensive for what it was. Mm. And I think it didn't get quite the audience they were hoping for. And I think, honestly, as much as we're saying, oh, they're slowing down with Marvel and Star Wars, it's still a safer bet for them to funnel that money into another Star Wars or Marvel show in the long run than it is uh, to do probably. a second season of something that's not performing very well. I mean, yeah, no one's going to argue with you that a Marvel or Star Wars show will do better than a season of Willow. Exactly. I've um, never even seen the movie Willow. No. Uh, neither have I, which is surprising. It feels like something I'd like. I mean, I'm sure but... Warwick Davis carries a high price tag when you get him on board for a show. I mean, he was the lap after all, but... Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a... He's a cultural icon. As he's a cultural icon. No, I, I think he. I think he actually is. Like, think of like a lot of the roles that he's in. He's pretty. Fa- he's, he's like pretty famous for a lot of his roles, and I think he can kind of get away. Like, he can command a pretty respectable price tag for you know, you know, depending on what the role is, because of. I mean, I'm not saying he's other actors. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying he's super cheap. I, I, he's just you know, he's not an A-list star. Like, I like him. You know, I thought he was great in Life's Too Short, the 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 TV show. Uh, yeah, that yeah, um, was good. But, you know, um, but yeah, so uh, that's all the reels and cancellations. Not a lot there to uh, talk about. Uh, similar, we got a couple of premiere dates. Uh, the first one being Outlander Season 7, which is going to premiere on June 16th. Notably, this is split in two halves this season, so it's eight episodes starting June 16th, and there'll be eight later on. Uh, this is part one, yeah. This is part one. Um, and they already confirmed that Season 8 is the final season, so this is the start of the penultimate season. Yeah, okay, so, cool. So, I've, John, I've just slight tangent on this. Okay. The uh, the multiple parts of things is getting out of hand. Um, now, I'm going to preface this by saying it's getting out of hand first in anime, but this could be a harbinger of things to come, and I really hope it's not. Anime has always been a bit different with the schedule, so no, right? No, no, no. This is, so, it, just in terms of the way it's named, uh, and like the seasons and the oh, way they're no. counting them. So, Attack on Titan, I think it had three seasons and then season four was marketed as the final season and then there was a final then there was attack on titan the final season part two <laughs> and then and then oh i guess better attack on season uh, attack on titan the final season part three part one 
they split the final season part three into two parts, and they literally just named it like that. At least, so it's, it, it's, at least it's call actually... it. At least call it part. Uh, you know, final season part three A. Just, just at least differentiate. Yeah, no, what no, the... it is. It is the final season part three, part one, and then part two. Obviously, I mean, I... it's it's nuts, and I really hope that that stays to anime. Yeah, I, I don't think that the rest will follow suit. Uh... You know, in the same way that comics are more complicated and they have to be, you know, streamlined a bit for the movies and stuff. Uh, I, I feel the same ways here. Anime is allowed to be complex and impenetrable because anime fans are all nut jobs, <laughs> and it's somehow one of the most successful animes of all time. Yes, uh, yeah, that is laughable. Um, yeah. Uh, other premiere date we have here is for The Diplomat, which is a Netflix show that is uh, going to come out in April twentieth, and this is eight episodes. I've got a description here since, you know, I didn't expect you know what this is. Oh, and, and even if you did know what it was, by the time it comes out, what did you say, April 20th? Yes. So it'll be completely forgotten about by April 21st. That sounds like the Netflix model, yes. Uh, the Diplomat is a high-stakes contemporary political drama about the transcendence and torture of long-term relationship between countries and people. I feel like that was like a weird political professional and personal. I did, yeah, I, I, I was just thinking that. Like, that was... Interesting. Vaguely familiar. Interesting. Uh, it centers on Kate Weiler, played by Kerry Russell, uh, the new US ambassador to the United Kingdom. She was supposed to go to Afghanistan, but she got the UK instead. Tough luck, Kerry. <laughs> uh, the new US ambassador to the United Kingdom. Uh, she was supposed to go to Afghanistan. She's great in a crisis zone. That's just one sentence on its own. It's just one sentence that says she's great in a crisis zone. And then next is, in a historic home, Less so. I feel there's supposed to be a different punctuation there to make that. That feels like a comma. Yeah, yeah, a comma or maybe like a like a what? Not a semicolon. The one that's got the that is semicolon. Yeah, because it's a semicolon. Yeah. That, yeah, colon's the two dot. Yeah, I'm just yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, war is brewing on one continent and boiling over on another. Kate will have to defuse international crises for strategic alliances in London and adjust to her new place in the spotlight, all while trying to survive her marriage to fellow career diplomat and political star Hal Whaler. I didn't even have to wait for that to finish. As soon as it started, that sentence, I know where this is going. Part of me thought it might never go personal, but then it just went straight no, to no, marriage. Just, just the way it started, that sentence, I was like, this is 100% doing it. <laughs> Oh, perfect, perfect. First drink of the day. For new audience members, uh, Connor's got a few drinking rules for some of these plot descriptions. Uh, the most prominent one that comes up the most often, of course, is any variation of the professional and personal life. Uh, so, yeah. Alright, uh, I have some general stuff. These are honestly quite quick, This, this these things. But a uh, bit of casting for the Penguin. They've cast Theo Rossi in the show, uh, who you might remember as Shades from Luke Cage. You think I remember Luke Cage? Bloody hell. I mean, I've seen him in other things since, which is why I remember him better. He was in Army of the Dead, and I just saw him in Emily the Criminal. I'm I'm sure I'd know him if I saw his face. You, yeah, you probably would. Uh, so, uh, there's not much oh, to add. Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah, there's not much to add. There's just a little bit of casting. Uh, and then similar quick bit of news for another show uh, to keep this kind of like in everyone's minds. Uh, is Blade Runner 2099. Uh, they've got Jeremy Paduswa. Uh, from Station Eleven and Game of Thrones to direct the pilot and be a producing director on the show. So that's gearing up. And I don't remember actually it saying it was a limited series. It probably was, and I've just forgotten. But that's interesting that they're going into it with, no, this is just going to be the eight or ten episodes or whatever it is, and that's it. 
Yeah, I think uh, you, we have noticed in the last few years, though, that there's been a more acceptance to... It's a limited series, but... If it does well, I mean, yeah. If it does well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, HBO have been pulling that a lot. It, it, and... Yeah, it's almost like... It's not a season two, it's a sequel. <laughs> that's yeah, that's almost yeah. the, the attitude that's been taken. Um, I'm kind of okay with it, though. I, I mean... I don't I, mind it, but I will say the getting around the limited series category in the Emmys is, is a bit dodgy. Like, I think that's playing the system. It no, it is. But ultimately, I think it... Obviously, I have room for TV that is long form, just we're going to go five seasons, this is the plan. But also making sure that you get okay an ending at the end of every season there's something nice to that yeah like, yeah hey if you get more great if you don't you've still got a full story and you can play that every season oh yeah for for as for actually watching the shows i really don't mind this this what would be interesting though is if it becomes this idea that it might get a sequel if they start setting up the sequel like a movie sets up a movie sequel at that point you're just a regular tv show because you're setting up for a season two yes like that's when it becomes inverse and starts just sort of folding in on itself I can't say I've seen that yet, but obviously no, we've no. not watched all the examples of it. I can't say none of them have done it. Uh, yeah, I, I just thought of that because we're. I, just, I was comparing yeah. it to movie sequels, and I was like, yeah, but movie sequels sometimes try and set up the next one. Like, it's, it's not uncommon yeah. for a movie to do that. They they do it especially recently. Well, yeah. recently, the last like ten, fifteen years. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, ever more common. I mean, the amount of like first entries in a series or franchise that went nowhere because it, you know. Because it tanked because it was probably shit because they yes. spent too much time setting up a sequel. That... We're, we're setting up yeah. our Secret Six. Not a secret, sorry. Sinister Six. We're setting up our Sinister Six. Secret Six is DC. Apologies. Yeah. <laughs> they probably tried to set that up at some point. <laughs> They've tried to set up everything behind the scenes in DC in the last decade. Actually, yeah, male tangent here. The Rock was not looking good this week with all the shenanigans coming out. Do, do you know what's so funny? Is, like, you may not appreciate this quite as much, but everything about The Rock refusing to be associated with shazam and saying no i want to be like superman's foe in the movies and i want to center all around us this is the most like backstage politicking of pro wrestling like being brought into the movie because this is what this was a hulk hogan was like this this was like you know like no 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 i'm not doing the job i'm not losing like i, I need to you know he's below my league like this is so yeah. wrestling it's funny that he's he's, he's done this because it's just yeah, so much from that world yeah i've had i've heard from some oh. some other wrestling friends of mine that that's kind of what's been going on I, it is it is funny i did see a tweet the other day how so obviously for the new shazam movie they redesigned the costumes mm. which is pretty normal on on these movies at this point even though the costume was fine right i'd, I'd have said and, it, not, it didn't I mean, need changing i've not seen the new movie but it didn't look from the trailers that they'd like reinvented the wheel like some minor adjustments they haven't it's it's a change of like the the color of the fabric slightly like the, mm. the texture it you, it looks a bit more detailed and the the thing that that is noticeable the change is the the lightning bolt, and it's smaller now, and it's mm. like lit differently. And I saw a tweet being like, someone went 100. percent The only reason that it's smaller is because the Rock said he has to have a smaller lightning bolt than me. And it's like, <laughs> there's absolutely nothing to substantiate that whatsoever. But I'm willing to believe it. <laughs> it sounds possible. I no my 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 final joke on the matter was that uh, the the Rock kept saying before the Black Adam came out that. The hierarchy of power of DC was going to change. And I'm like, it did. You put James Gunn in a position of power. Congratulations. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought that was funny. Uh, so last up in the general section here on the TV news is... Uh, now, this is not something we normally talk about, but this was never going to come up any other way. This was a show we talked about in the new shows, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, whenever it was. Uh, but it was a Justin Hartley CBS show. 
based in a book called The Never Game, and he plays this, uh, this, you know, lone wolf survivalist, Coulter Shaw, who roams the country as a reward seeker, using his expert tracking skills, blah, 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 blah. Right, I'd have to read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. All, all the news is here that I wanted to say is that they decided to not use the name of, like, because it was called The Never Game, right? And I think that's the thing it was based on was called The Never Game. They've decided to change the title for the TV show. Oh, it's going to be so much more generic, isn't it? It's called Tracker. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm not going to say the Never Game is the best title ever. It's fine. It's better right? than Tracker. It is. Like it's. It's not like a terrible title. I don't think the Never Game. It doesn't tell you what it's about, but that's fine. I think it's. Yeah, I don't think a title needs to tell it's, you what it's, it's about. No, I don't either. But it's it's unique enough that if you Google that, you know, the Never Game, it's going to show up pretty easily. Right? Uh, uh, Tracker. The example I always give is Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs does not tell you a goddamn thing what that movie is, but the title's perfect, and you get that moment in the movie where you're like, ah, <laughs> like, and, and, I love that. And maybe this show slash book has that moment. Oh yeah, well, maybe yeah, yeah. with the Never Game. Well, I, I, you know, we, we don't know. Um, but I like. I don't think it's the title that really grabs you, but it's yeah. fine. It was. A perfectly acceptable title that there is no reason that they should have changed. Titles are so much... Just in general, I think they're worse. Like, I just I think about things like Nightmare on Elm Street. That's such a good title. But if it was made now, if, you know, as a new IP now, it would probably just be called, like, Dream Killer. Like, you know, it, it would be, like, the most... But a Nightmare on Elm Street is such a good title. But I, I feel like things don't get titled that way anymore. No. I think it, I, I, it would just be simple. It would just be, like, Nightmare. Yeah, like yeah. Which, which is like sure. Really bland and generic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah I, I think about this sometimes, and that's one that, you know, not every title, obviously, in the, the old days is fancy or more complex, but there's just those ones like that. I there's... mean, even in, even in the same genre, you know, Halloween is not a complex title by any means. It's... No, no, but it's, you know, it's simple. It's perfect. You know, it's. it's... It is. Yeah. yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad title. I'm just saying, again, it goes against that rule that you were kind of advocating for that. That said, I do wonder, like, would the original title of the Babysitter... Babysitter Murders or Babysitter Killer, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it was it was something like that. I do wonder, like, would that have... You know, but it's, 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 the story goes that they just sort of checked, wait, has anyone ever actually titled their movie Halloween? Is that just sitting there waiting mm. to be used? And it was. It was like, oh, well, uh, it's just... Yeah, it's used Why that. Not? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, the... You know, Without Halloween, you don't have Friday the Thirteenth. You don't have April Fool's Day. You don't have like, all these other horror movies that are just the the day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, all right. So out of the comedies then for the TV shows, we have HBO developed a new comedy series called Disengagement from writer and executive producer Robin Thede uh, from the Black Lady Sketch Show. Uh, Disengagement centers on a prestigious coal family or the prestigious coal family, I should say. Uh, after a very public and embarrassing business implosion shattered their product, uh, their, so their perfect Midwest image. And it was just an image because behind closed doors, even the dysfunction has dysfunction, proving family is the ultimate pyramid scheme. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm glad that's a comedy description. Yeah, yeah. Because I can see that as this, you know, that dysfunctional setting kind of working out. Kind of nicely. I think describing the family as a pyramid scheme uh, is a nice enough play on words that gives me an idea of like the, the joke is going to... Like, the idea that the dad thinks he's the boss, the, the kids all treat him like yeah. he's the boss. You know, I, I can kind of maybe picture what the comedy is going to come from. Uh, next up, 
Terry Crews, obviously well-known these days for Brutal Nine-Nine, but amongst other things, uh, is going to lead and also executive produce in a new comedy for CBS called Jumpstart. Uh, all one word. Uh, it's a multi-camera comedy based on Rob Armstrong's long-running comic strip. Uh, Wayne Conley from The Best Man has written the TV adaptation, uh, and it comes from Aaron Kaplan's Capital Entertainment, as well as Wendy Trilling's Thrill TV and CBS Studios. Uh, so... Joe Cobb is a devoted husband, son, father, and Philadelphia police officer. He is also a proud black man and often feels pressured to be flawless in each of his roles, especially in light of controversies surrounding cops. He is charming and exuberant role model in his community. Uh, Joe loves his wife and family. We're not the phrasing yet. But does come up short in hilarious and endearing ways that keep the audience cheering, cheering for him. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about his... Uh, yeah, but it, it didn't get the phrasing. I suppose. But it feels precious to be false. Needs to be, you know, he's, he's a son, father, and a police officer. Yeah. Mm. Um, this is interesting. Uh, like, I was... Spe- he's playing a police officer again. Yeah, like, I was almost ready to roll my eyes, but then it specifically pointed out that it wants to deal with the controversies of... The police. And I think that's interesting that he's tackling that. I don't know what to expect from a multi-camera CBS show tackling that subject, admittedly, but I do appreciate that it feels like it's got some intent, like noble intentions. It does, and I will give him credit that the the sitcoms have been better than the dramas for a, a while. But oh. They haven't all been amazing, but yeah, they've been solid enough. Okay, okay. Uh, so I think that's interesting. Maybe, it's like, maybe the appeal of this for him is that, you know, Obviously, towards the end of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the subject came up of, like, how do you handle cops on TV with more and more controversy around certain things. And kind of why it came to an end, ultimately, is they're like, you know what, let's kind of just leave it here for now. Yeah. Uh, so I do wonder if this was, like, a... You know, this would be... A, this is maybe driven them to, like, no, let's still tackle that subject, but do it with the focus on a different way. Yeah. Uh, so, no, curious. Uh, next up, Fox is developing number one Supreme Citizen of America. I mean... It's a good title. You know what? Yeah. It, 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 immediately it catches your eyes. Like, okay, that's over the top. It's kind of silly. They're, they're not changing that one. It's got personality. It's a single camera hybrid comedy from comedian Peter S. Kim. Uh, the comedy focuses on a USA-obsessed immigrant, Sun Min Kim, as he attempts to ace his upcoming citizenship test by hitting the road and learning what it means to be American from the multifaceted citizens of our expansive nation. Obviously, this was written by an American. Uh, Kim will also write and executive produce the comedy. What does it mean by hybrid comedy? Because the only thing I can think I of have no the idea. way that's phrased is like Borat-esque. Oh, I don't know. Uh, well, you think, I think would you, be so incredibly th- bold for them to do on network TV. So... <laughs> I don't, I'm not leaping to that, because I don't think they would do that on Fox. I don't either, but that was the only thing that kind of made sense to me. So but, I think the hybrid comedy may... Maybe it's like single camera, but maybe there's like set pieces that are multi-camera or something. Maybe that's what it's getting at. I don't know. Maybe? I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. That doesn't sound terrible, though. No, no. I, I think, honestly, the title gives me its personality. Like, it's got character just from that title. So that's a good title, because it's... You know, when you find out it's about someone who's trying to prove that he's American because he's an immigrant, 
the title makes a lot more sense and you can see as a comedy all the wacky hijinks of him like ah i'm super american look at me i love eagles and shit and learning all the stereotypes from different yeah, places yeah. in the country yeah no i i can see that being I, I can see this being fun yeah freedom yeah which you know they kind of rob from braveheart let's be honest it's kind of a scottish thing as well i mean uh, yeah but <laughs> Just, just point out. Just point out. But they have guns and you don't, so they win. <laughs> uh, to be fair, Braveheart was set in like what, one thousand AD or something like that. I don't know. Twelve, twelve hundred AD. I don't no, it's know. Can't be late. It's got to be later than. Is it later than, than that? Ten hundreds. It has to be. I don't. I, I, I don't know my old history. <laughs> so I, I have no I, I, idea. I, not enough to to date it off the top of my head. No, I'll I'll say about thirteen hundred. I'll I'll go a bit there. What's my guess? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um. Yes, yes, yes. The, the proud Scottish film starring an Australian and an Irishman. Uh. Ooh, not 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 a terrible guess. Oh really? Was it twelve eighty? Hey, that's not bad. I'll do that. 20, yeah. Hey, twenty years out, and I had like two thousand years roughly. Uh. Uh, yeah, I, I knew it was like I said after after like the, the ten. <laughs> I knew it was at post ten sixty six. I knew it was post the Norman Conquest. I was like, eh, after that, I'm not one hundred percent. Ah well. Uh, next up, uh, so we're on to uh, the Jim Henson Company uh, and Marble Media are using. So there's no title for this, so it's kind of awkwardly done here because I don't have a title to give it to you. So untitled, uh, but it's a comedy to talk about uh, children's mental health. Um, they're teaming with Felix, a live-action comedy about a boy, his family, and his feels. Uh, five original characters created by Fraggle Rock and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio maker, Jim Henson, as uh, Creature Shop, uh, will manifest a larger than life emotions. Uh, the emotions live in his house, follow him to school, and eat his snacks. But once he joins a school for uh, neurodivergent kids, he learns to live with them. So it's a little, it's kind of inside out, I guess, but with, like, puppets or animatronics representing the emotions so you can kind of see what they're going for with us i think yeah yeah my, my only problem is th- this is a weird hang-up but thanks to british advertising whenever i hear felix i just think of cat food and i just think of the cat in the adverts do you buy felix for your cat i do not but no. it is an advert that that i remember you know v- variations upon from what what, you know, what cat food do you get for your cat uh lilies i think I don't think I know Lily's. Yeah, my, sure my, my cat's like the Felix. That's the, that's what they're into. Yeah, I mean, he got he got bored of his of his wet food at one point. We had to swap it for a different. Yeah. One. I I try I tried uh, whiskers a few times, but they never really took to he the has, whiskers. He has whiskers for the uh, like the like the dental bite things. Mm. Like he gets those. Mm. But, yeah. Oh yeah, Wesker. The other two don't really care about them that much, but the Wesker loves the little like cat-shaped tub with the treats, the little crispy things with the center. He loves yeah. those. Goes gaga yeah. for them. Anyway, aye. <laughs> yeah, so there's a an animated thing I think here last uh, in this section. Uh, Fox Entertainment and Bento Box have developed an animated comedy called Havoc, all caps, from veteran television writer Michael Glauberman and CRE8 for you. S- S- Free for you? I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce that. I'm assuming create. It's... create for you? Yeah, probably. Create for you. That's probably yeah. what it's might have said. Uh, it brought the company that co-founded Nancy Cartwright, uh, co-founded by Nancy Cartwright, who's worked on The Simpsons, Monica, uh, Gil Rodriguez, and uh, Jamie Amrick. So, 
Uh, Havoc is described as a story of a brilliant, egotistical supervillain who starts from scratch in his latest attempt to take over the world, forming a ragtag team of eccentric misfits to help him on his quest. Together, they navigate the challenges of the world around them, which is far more difficult when you're working out of the basement of your one-bedroom apartment. So it's a supervillain upstart animated comedy. Yeah. Pinky in the fun. brain. Or, I, I, I yeah. was thinking that. Yeah, yeah something like that. Uh, sure. I have no no problems. Uh, so we're out of the dramas then. Uh, we do have a pretty interesting one to start off with. Uh, so the Homeland co-creator, executive producers of Howard Gordon and Alex... Uh, Alex. I, I said that's because he Alexa. Alex Ganza are working on another show for Showtime, which is where Homeland was also uh, based. Uh, they're working on a show based on Gattaca, the, uh, the 1997 mm. movie starring Ethan Hawke and... Uh, Jude um, Law, Emma Thurman. Absolute masterpiece of a movie. It's fantastic. It is a fantastic movie. We did it on the Ace uh, during the autumn, I think, last year. Uh, that holds up. Wonderful, right? Uh, it's, it's only gotten better every time I've seen it. It's a great little film. Um, so, yeah. Uh, written by Gordon, Ganza, and Craig Barton. The series takes place a generation after the events of the film. So it's, you know, I, I, I don't know if it'll refer back to it. Maybe it'll tell us in a second, but it's uh, a little bit later. Uh, when science and humanity have evolved to the point where we can direct our own evolution, genetic engineering has created a world in which parents can determine the future of their children before they are born, aka the valids, uh, which by default has created a new underclass, no longer determined by social status or the color of one's skin, the invalids. The invalids. <laughs> I, I think in the movie they make it say invalid, though. I think that's why I said it that way. Yeah, because it's not invalid in yeah. this case it's, it's, it's specifically invalid. the opposite yeah. of valid yeah uh so yeah the movie's great it's a, it's a great movie you know, sort of like recontextualize obviously it's all an analogy for actual discrimination but it it does it in a way where all of a sudden it's a different social structure based on genetics rather than you know just because it's been a while since oh, i've yeah. seen the movie now is it specifically genetic engineering that lets them choose the the children's features or is it more this is what they're going to be, so this is where we have determined. Uh, well, it's, it's both. So, they, okay. some parents want a natural birth, they want to do things naturally. And so in the movie, they have Ethan Hawke first, and he's like, yeah. oh, he's got a high chance of like, heart disease by the time he's like 40, so he's kind of seen as like undesirable by employers because he's probably going to die young. Yeah. And then his older brother, because they had that sort of failure, they had a second kid, but they can choose to engineer him to be perfect before yeah. he's born. So, um and the, the whole the whole idea of the movie is uh obviously equality but also this idea that everyone should have a fair chance and that the determination and the, the science just saying you're if something's not possible it's about saying if you know it's possible if you believe it enough you know it's a very inspirational film it's got a lot of good social commentary uh fantastic music in that as well uh oh, so good it's really great stuff uh, i highly recommend Gaka. Uh, a series set in that world does sound interesting. I'm glad to not try to do the characters from the movie. I'm glad to just, uh, you know. I I saw the headline for this the other day, and I was concerned, thinking, how do you stretch that? I mean, how do you, you can stretch that out, but does it need stretching out and retelling? But just taking the concept of the world and kind of just telling yeah. other stories in it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very open to that. Yeah, no, I mean, don't get me wrong, I suspect that the main plot of season one might be something similar to the movie, and that it's someone trying to trick the system into thinking that he's healthy when he's, you know, an invalid. It's very possible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, 
as long as it's not the exact same beats, you know, the same characters, kind of, you know, the same relationships, I, I can see this being, you know, well made potentially. What, what was this? Uh, Showtime. Showtime. Yes. All right. So it should have a budget. Showtime. You know, they, I, th- I think they they probably want a big hit in their hands. I don't know what their last big hit was. Obviously, they're kind of clinging to Dexter to try <laughs> keep afloat yeah. right now. But uh, yeah, maybe this could be one of their their their, their big sort of. It should uh, have a a reasonable budget, and I don't think Gattaca needs an extreme budget. No, like a, a no. lot of the world is a very sanitized world. Um, it's very minimalist looking. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very sort of like, you know, I think the movie literally starts with the phrase that, you know, the not too distant future. It's not like a specific, specified time. It's just, this is around the corner. This is just a little bit ahead. Yeah. So it's not like it's super crazy in terms of its, you know, design and aesthetics that'll need a lot of work. They'll need some, obviously, but no more than most shows. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, it could be good. Uh, it could be interesting to see what they do with that. Uh, all right, next up, we have uh, The Perfect Couple, which is a Netflix uh, limited series. Uh, we got a bunch of casting for this. So, Nicole Kidman uh, has joined this, as has Liev Schreiber, uh, White Lotus uh, actor uh, Megan Fahey, uh, as well as Dakota Fanning. Uh, and they're all in various stages of negotiations, is the exact terminology here to star in the perfect couple in netflix this was originally something that was set up at fox a couple of years ago but at some point it's moved to netflix um and they've sort of been gearing up since last august to sort of get it going uh, it's based on the best-selling novel of the same name by ellen uh, hildebrand uh which was published in 2018 it's a six episode murder mystery following nantucket native celeste otis who on the 4th of July is about to marry the perfect man, who just so happens to be from the wealthiest family in the area. But when a body is discovered floating in the harbour on the morning of what was meant to be hashtag wedding of the year, everyone at the party is suddenly a suspect. Okay, it's a murder mystery. Murder mystery, but a reasonably interesting cast. Uh, I that's fair to say, yeah. Yeah. Uh... It's a sort of thing where I could see it being quite dry, but I, I could see it being Depends. a... If it's if it's a satirical take on that style mm. of person, that culture, um, I, I can see that kind of being, you know, potentially quite amusing alongside being a, a murder mystery. I mean, the point out that it's a wealthiest family and the hashtag just does imply a little bit of a jab, a little bit of a sense yeah. of humour. But I think it's, you know, six episodes, complete story... Makes me more interested, I think, in this than, you know, it's a season that's got a murder mystery, but there may be a season two. I think this being a limited thing it actually makes it more appealing than if it wasn't. I agree. So. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. FX is developing a drama series called Drug Spies from Noah Pink, who wrote a screenplay for the upcoming Tetris movie uh, at Apple. Uh, which, at the end of this month, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, which looks good. I actually almost put that in the pilot vote thinking it was a TV show. Uh you know, last month, and then just just at the last second, like I looked at it and went, "Oh, it's a movie." Ah, uh, but yeah. Uh, so, author Kirk Wallace Johnson and the Falcon Winter Soldier director Carrie Scogland are working on this as well. Uh, it's an original series which is inspired by true events, tells the stories of spies who work in behalf of multinational drug companies. Well, some of the plot deals have been kept under wraps. We hear this is Deadline speaking. Uh, we hear the character-driven series tells the story of two former CIA Special Forces soldiers who are dispatched by the Big Pharma to take down the most prominent genetic drug producer in the world. Uh, 
it's my Resident Evil brain, but I see Big Pharma and I just see the umbrella logo, <laughs> like, in That's my fair. head. I'm, I'm also TVifying this and assuming the two spies are actually in a relationship and there's going to be some personal and professional conflict between them as they're doing the job. Very possible. It doesn't say that in the description, but it, it doesn't very because possible. It's, it's not an official description. That's true, but that's you true. Wait, you wait till that official description comes out for this, and I guarantee you it does. You're very right. This, this is sort of deadline, just sort of describing it in their own words. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, next up, Amazon's moving forward with a series adaptation of E. Lockhart's novel, We Were Liars. Uh, they've handed the project uh, straight to series order, and it's focused on the theme of consequences of one mistakes. The series follows the wealthy, seemingly perfect Sinclair family who spend every summer sitting gathered on their private island. It's a lot of exploring the rich these days, isn't there? Uh, uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's all eat the rich. Oh, uh, sure, sure. Well, we'll see where this goes. This may not be eating the rich yet. Uh, the wedding one might be eating the rich. Like They may all fall apart because of that murder, but we'll see where this yeah. goes. However, not every year is the same. When something happens to Cadence during the summer of her 15th year, she and the other three liars, Johnny, Gat, and Mirren, re-emerge two years later and prompt Cadence to remember the incident. Okay, that's a... Very, very mysterious and vague the way they worded that. Okay. It is, yeah. Uh, I have no idea what the tone of this is going to be, so it's hard to be excited, but... Yeah, that's something that needs a trailer, I think. You know, it's Amazon, so I'd say 80% chance it's probably just kind of dull-looking, 20% chance, oh, maybe that looks interesting. I, I, that'd be my odds. That's, that's good fair. 80-20 is the, the go-to ratio. Because <laughs> I think a lot of Amazon stuff does come off a little bit dull, but every so often they've got a boys or they've got, you know, I, a homecoming. I the Lord of the Rings show, you know. I, I know you didn't care for it, but I enjoyed it. I feel like even the response from fans of Lord of the Rings though was kind of mixed and lukewarm to that show. I don't think it was the best show. I think it had two, um, like, very, very, very good episodes. Mm. I think most of it was like, yeah, this is perfectly enjoyable, reasonable, you know, decent TV. And then the last episode was like, yeah, that, that was pretty predictable. You've kind of been hyping this up all season. It was it was a predictable reveal, but okay, sure. That's, that's interesting. Um... Well, it's not. I, I just said that as a kind of old response because I don't know what else to say to you. Uh, let's move on to the yeah. next story, shall we? <laughs> so, uh, we're looking at uh, a show called One Day in December. This is indie filmmaker Drake uh, Doramus from Late Crazy uh, making his first major move into TV with One Day in December, which is in development on Netflix. And it has Lucy Bonton uh, attached to star and executive producer. I do quite like her, actually, because she was in The Black Coat's Daughter, uh, which is also known as February, I think, in the UK. Uh, which I thought was a really good horror movie. It's uh, Oz Perkins directed it. Uh, Anthony Perkins' son, who also went on to direct Gretel and Hansel. Anyway, like I liked her in that. Uh, people liked her in Sing Street, and it says here she was in Bohemian Rhapsody. I never saw that, but uh... it was it was okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's a romantic drama series based on the Josie Silver novel of the same name. Here's the uh, description. Um. So tells the story of Laurie who is pretty sure Love at First Sight doesn't exist anywhere but the movies. But then, can you see where this is going? Through, uh, I think I can. <laughs> through a messed up, messed up, what, sorry, through a mistied up bus window one snowy December day, she sees a man who she knows instantly is the one. Their eyes meet. There's a moment of pure magic. And then her bus drives away. Laurie subsequently, subsequently, 
Thank you. Uh, spends a year or so scouring London in search of the missing man. His name is Jack, she learns, when he's finally introduced to her at a Christmas party as the new boyfriend of her best friend, Sarah. What follows for Laurie, Sarah and Jack, per random house, is 10 years of friendship, heartbreak, missed opportunities, roads not taken, and destinies reconsidered. Just nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be I, sure. Yeah, I know. I hate this. <laughs> it sounds like absolute shite. Yes, yes, it does. Not for us, certainly. Uh, no, it'll be a more fair statement. But I just no. I was just hoping it just added on something professional then, just to give just you to, the yeah, just to <laughs> spite me. Yeah, it's just just to the end, just tag on all of this while she's working at her clothes shop, <laughs> which is which is probably true. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Well, last up in the news this week, then, uh, Christopher Reich's Simon Risk book series is in development in Netflix. Uh, they're reteaming with Edward Berger, who is the director, co-writer, and producer of uh, last year's All Quiet in the Western Front, which was quite... I've not seen it yet, but it did look quite well at the, the awards ceremonies and stuff like that. Got them a lot of buzz. Uh, but the, So he's working on this new drama series adaptation. Uh, Berger's set to direct the international spy thriller. It's an early development in Netflix, specifically in the UK, uh, which has been written by Rowan Joff, from 10 Star and the Informer. The first season will focus on the first book in the series, The Take. So there's multiple books, so there's a chance for multiple multiple seasons. So it doesn't actually say what they're going to call the show. They may just call it Simon Risk, because that's the what the series, the books is called, but it sounds a bit dull, so maybe they'll... I'll just call it Risk. <laughs> God, that's even more boring. It is more boring, but you, you, you know I'm right. Yeah. Described as being in the vein of Day of the Jackal and the Born Identity, the take centers on Simon Risk, a freelance industrial spy. Risk lives largely under the radar above his auto garage in London until he gets involved in the chase for a stolen letter that could upend the balance of power on the Western world, set against the backdrop of the greatest street heist in the history of Paris. Honestly, that last part made it far more interesting than the rest of it, it did. did. It uh, sounded just, you know generic spy thing which yeah. doesn't necessarily mean it'll be bad it means it won't be for you but it doesn't mean it'll be bad um but that last bit give it a little bit of flair yeah it's something else going on uh and i didn't translate garage for the americans because it's set in london so uh, garage was correct so, yeah, yeah, so screw you <laughs> uh yeah yeah I mean, maybe this is a sort of thing like there's so many bland spy shows that like i need to see a good trailer before i can even I feel a blip of excitement. There are very few good spy shows. Yes. Uh, can you name me one? <laughs> no. Well, there you go. There. <laughs> I'm going to remember one as soon as we finish recording. Now I, I believe be it can really happen. Hard. I believe you know. I, I wouldn't say I like crime shows, but you know, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are technically crime shows. Like yeah. so. Don't, don't be. Oh, John, I, I, I did see some news earlier about a show that you, you definitely don't like. Do you remember Taboo? The, the Tom oh, yeah, Hardy yes. Mumble one? Which was a shame they're, because the director did a movie that I loved, but... They're, they're finally working on a second season. Season? We did season... We, we did the pilot of that like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I just thought there was never getting a second season. I thought it was done. Oof. Tom Hardy's no. going to be like, in a, like a, a, a walker. You know, <laughs> this mm. season two. That's how much time has passed. Bloody hey, hell. they'll they'll work that into the plot. Don't worry about it. Mm. It'll be a distinguished gentleman with a cane. Bloody hell. That's just madness. Um, yeah, so there you go. I, I told you it was a quieter uh, week or so for news. Uh, 
you know, Gaka being the one big, one big thing I'd say was was notable, but otherwise, kind of light. I suppose we could talk a little bit about uh, Lance Reddick passing away. That's, that's worth bringing up. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't typically put deaths like in the news per se, but uh, Lance is very prolific, and he obviously he's died quite young suddenly. He was only sixty, and it was shocking to read uh, last week when it came up and. I actually, I it saw an article. Like the, I don't, I don't know if the oh, yeah. cause has been released yet. I don't think I haven't so. seen anything. It, it seemed to have been a fairly big shock because he seemed to be like, you know, all the puzzle. Like, hey, yeah, he was still just like chilling and gaming yeah, last yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does. Say, the, the the early reports are saying it looks natural. It does nothing, you know, suspect yeah, about it. Obviously, it happened. Yeah, but uh, the, yeah, there was an article on Deadline actually as I was looking for the news, which was basically just, hey, here's all the things Lance Reddick. Is already filmed that are still to come out, and there's like five things like you know, John Wick Four's out, you know, this weekend, but he's in like uh, the Percy Jackson show playing Zeus that's coming out later this year. Oh man, I forgot about that. And he's got like three other movies. Yeah, so he's 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 got like three other movies coming. Like obviously, The Wire, fantastic. He, I first saw him in Lost. He was great in his small role in that. That sort of led him to be in Fringe, which obviously I you know I love, and he's great in that too. Um, but even in like bad stuff, he's kind of the highlight. Like that awful Resident Evil show that came out last year. Like he's pretty. He's in our t- He's he's Wesker in that show. <laughs> yeah, you can tell I didn't pay attention to yeah. that show. But he 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 does actually eke out some entertainment. Not, not the entertainment I wanted from that sh- uh, Resident Evil thing, but uh, entertainment all the same. Problem clearly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's- I know. Um. He's he's pretty beloved in the the Destiny. Fan base, oh yes, so. yes, yeah. There's the voice. He's, he's in the Horizon games as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, very prolific. He's, he's he's one of those guys where I think most people discovered him gradually in the in the two thousands, but the last decade or so, he's just been all over the place. And everyone always likes to see him. He's always a nice, pleasant face to pop up uh, yeah. in anything. So it was it was quite a shame to to just get that sudden news last week. It was just out of nowhere. Um, yeah. I, I just saw someone say, oh, it's sad to hear about Lance Reddick. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> What's wrong with Lance Reddick? And you know, quickly searched and found the bad news. So, yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, it does suck. But, yeah, well, at least, at least there's a, a few performances left to enjoy. And yeah. you can guarantee you will enjoy them. Yes, and... Yeah, you know, at least one or two of them are actually stuff that... At least, not that it would really matter... If, if they're all bad things or all things that I didn't care about, but you know, like at the very least, John Wick Four, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy when I see it. And I'm next week. Obviously, you know, you're not, but I'm very excited for the Percy Jackson show. The, the reason why I say that though is because we have one last Kevin Conroy performance to look forward to, and it's in it's like wrapped up in the worst possible thing ever. <laughs> yeah, it won't be his fault though. No, 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 no. Um, so yeah, it, it is what it is. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, R.I.P. to Lance Reddick. It was sad to, sad to hear. Uh, so. Sorry to end the episode on a bit of a downer. I don't <laughs> But, it was either that or start with it. Yeah, but better to get at the end. Yeah. So, uh, by all means in the comments, let us know your favourite Lance Reddick roles, moments, um, all that stuff. Uh, feel, feel free to share them. Uh, but uh, that that'll do the show for this week, and and ho- and I'm hoping that we'll be back on a relatively just weekly schedule with this now. Uh, you know, cars moved house finally. We're we're recording at a sort of normal day for it, <laughs> so yeah, we're kind of getting back on track. Yes, so hopefully we should be back with you next weekend again. 
Uh, unless, of course, there's just not enough news, which does happen from time to time, but uh, we'll see how it goes. But, let us know what you thought of uh, the news items this week in the comments, like, subscribe, and of course you can support all the content by hitting the super thanks button, or of course on a more permanent basis by going over to patreon.com slash TV and supporting us over there and getting some bonuses for your trouble. But that is the show, that is the news this week. Um, thank you very much once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?